Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. gods looked down and they said hey buddy how are your crops doing you want to sacrifice a pig or something what are you thinking maybe you can make the crops go that way that would be pretty cool and that's one of the many things we'll be talking about on this episode of american godcast i'm alex bow down before corn great corn the syrup the popped corn i'm justin uh, electrolytes is what crops gra- crave. Oh, no, you messed that up very badly. I messed that up really bad. <laughs> Brondo is what crops crave, right? Yeah. yeah well, that. but then it's the electrolytes. That, oh, yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah. Great ref. Uh, and here's some more great refs for you. We're going to be talking about American Gods, Ashes, and Demons, the third episode of season three um, of this uh, brand new season. Uh, we're just getting into it. We're in the first half here, so still... Lots of setup going on, uh, but lots of things do go down in the episode. A regular reminder, we're not going to be talking about every plot point, so watch the episode first, then come back here. We're going to talk about stuff uh, right in the episode. Uh, But here's the broad strokes. Uh, The big thing about this episode is that we meet Demeter, a new goddess who is being courted by Mr. Wednesday. Seems they had a relationship back in the day, as usual, went sour. He goes to visit her at a, what would you call it, convalescent home? Not exactly an insane asylum, but it's something like that. <laughs> know the I think difference. it's an old folks home. That's... Old folks home. Know, Alex, know the difference <laughs> between those two things before yeah. you end up in one. Oh, shit. I put my parents in an insane asylum. Was that wrong? <laughs> That's wrong. That's We're the wrong. We're just kindly old Zalbins. Why are we in straitjackets? Uh, so anyway, uh, he visits her there, uh, manages to kind of woo her back as Mr. Wednesday is wont to do. Meanwhile, Shadow Moon is over in the lakeside investigating what's gone on with Allison. We get a couple more clues in that mystery, but he gets a little bit of distracted both by his landlord, who he seems to be striking up a little bit of a relationship Ooh, with. Yes. And also he starts to see visions that draw him towards Bilquis. Bilkis, as we talked about in previous episodes, uh, has some bad stuff going down once she unbirthed some sort of tech guy. We don't find too much more about this this episode, but something terrible has gone down into their par- her apartment. And by the end of the episode, she is missing. Technical boy is in her apartment. It's covered in blood, completely wrecked. So something terrible has happened there. Again, yeah. that's very, very broad strokes. Uh, the other thing that you probably want to know about that I'm sure we'll want to start off with, or at least I'm sure people want to start off with, is finally see Laura Moon again as she goes yes. down to the don't. underworld or Purgatory. the afterlife, or I'm sure we can talk about exactly what's going on there. Uh, and she has a little bit of a this is your life moment as she finds out her memories of everything that went long, wrong in her life, specifically with her dad, are not actually her fault. Uh, I, yes, Pete. I'm really pissed. I thought the Dick Lady's fucking storyline was done. I'm very upset that we're continuing with her. You mean Laura? Um, 
I, I'm, oh, I'm wait, referring I to. I forgot. You don't like Laura Bird. Yes. Oh, I, Alex, I can't believe you threw that to Pete Refuse to first. call her that. <laughs> dick lady is awful. Oh, and I that is, don't that want her to not do that. Don't call her Like, Pete, I don't want to call you out right on the podcast, but I don't think you've ever called her that on the podcast before. <laughs> I have not. Like, that is uh, skimming the surface of slut-shaming, if not, like, diving right deep in. So, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not trying to slut-shame anybody. No way. You're defining her by the is... one moment where she sucked a dick. No, no I think... I'm defining her at the point where she bit a dick off and then it flew oh. through the air. Oh. It, they did a bunch of... <laughs> we saw it way too many times, so that's why I call her dick lady. Uh, no slut shaming. You do your life, live your life how you want. I'm not going to judge it. I'm upset at her. I call her dick lady because she's also uh, not really doesn't hold people in high regard. When she couples with somebody, she usually doesn't treat them well. Um, mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. don't like that about her. Um, you know, have sex with whoever, how many, many times as you want, you know, yeah. but I just feel that unbirth, like, unbirth she is not want. a good person. Yeah. And I was very happy that she turned okay. to dust and I thought she was done. I was very excited about so, that. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for clarifying. I apologize. It does not seem like you're skimming the surface of the slut shame lake. Instead, you're kind of dipping your toe in and being like, Ooh, this is a little cold for me. Yeah. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> um, about? Metaphors, Matt. I'm She's glad, not uh, a good person. <laughs> I, I I like the Laura Moon storyline here. Um, I was sad that she just straight dusted at the beginning of the season. So <laughs> that was, that to was... Ha- to have her back in the game is good. I love she jumps into a classic uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory elevator mm-hmm. to fly off to. Um, it reminded me of Crowded Subway. I was. Did like, you guys oh, read man. that second book, uh, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator with the Vermicious Kids? Messed me up yeah. as a kid. Uh, I definitely read that. Um, and Charlie goes to hell and realizes that he wasn't to blame for Grandpa Joe having <laughs> cheating on <laughs> his grandma. Yeah. I mean, there were four of them in the bed. Something had to be going on. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, that was a anything goes in that multi-pairing. Quadruple. Like Laura Moon always says, four in the bed, get in the head. What the? <laughs> you started this, Pete. No way, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's weird for you to blame Pete for saying that. So yeah, I, I am, you. I'm curious. Let's talk about just the general thrust of this afterlife because I almost felt of two minds of it. I, I'm with you, Justin, I, that I like seeing Laura Moon again. I like seeing just generally divorced from absolutely anything, the plot line and what she went through. And I, I think the actress did a really good job with it. Uh, it was fun seeing uh, the dad from Orphan Black as the AV guy. Always good to see him. I don't know who played the usher. Um, probably wasn't Usher, but could be somebody like that. Um, oh, boy. Usher gets a cut. Usher gets a cut whenever anyone plays an Usher. It's true. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that I, I was kind of of two minds here that I understand why they went for this choice, but having sort of like generic corporate travel zone, travel hub afterlife felt weird to me in the world of American gods where we have all this specificity. And the reason I think I understand why they made that choice is they kind of found this middle ground of this doesn't connect to Norse mythology or African mythology or Native American mythology or anything like that. But at the same time, I don't know. I I would have wanted something a little different here personally. Well, I think – Oh, go ahead. I think what they were going for, I, I agree with you. It did feel a little out of place for the show because it wasn't specific at all. But I also think it, this was specifically purgatory. So it wasn't sort of a full on afterlife take. Um, and they haven't 
done this particular thing, and it feels like sort of a new god version of like the old gods are still mm-hmm. living in their world, but the logistics of god religion afterlife has to keep functioning so that would update into new god stuff the whole thing reminded me of the of hell from preacher mm-hmm. um, so it, it was a little derivative in that way which is what uh, i i i like the idea of like purgatory you have to get on a shitty uh kind of subway car or like elevator and ride that uh you know to purgatory i, I kind of really enjoyed that choice um but I just think that, like, I like how in the beginning she did say, like, oh, this is like defending your life or or one of those things that we've seen before. So I'm glad they kind of called that out before we went on this, you know, like, here's what you did and why you are here type of thing. I liked a lot of the visuals in this sequence. I thought the pile of blackness or the oozing blackness or whatever it was that chased her down the hallway was very cool. Like we talked about, the elevator was very neat as well. Going through this, you know, very multicolored cosmos that we've seen a couple of times before in the show. Uh, And I also liked her stepping into the film. I thought that was a neat conceit. Uh, I think that worked really well. What Uh, did you think, think of the like the Beetlejuice waiting room scenario with the different color coordination? Uh... Wait, what do you mean? The well, in Beetlejuice, like he had oh, a number sure. of tickets and he stole a ticket. Where in this, she had a different color and she stole the color orange so she could go next. Yeah. Clear Beetlejuice call out. Yeah, it's a clear Beetlejuice thing. That's right. She did say, I've seen the Black Plague five billion times and it gets funnier every time I've seen it. I do remember yeah. that line. Yeah. So again, Good. very wow. clear Beetlejuice call out. Yeah. Alex nice. not getting the Beetlejuice ref and then coming hard with his own <laughs> Beetlejuice ref. Did not see that coming. That's going to play really well when you go to the afterlife. I think yeah. so. I'll just twist my tidy head around. And maybe oh it'll be this moment where you'll step into your film and be like, it was actually my turn to make a beat. <laughs> <laughs> be like, this is not important to whatever is going on here. Just accept reality, dude. And the usher says, actually, Alex, this is the most important moment of your life. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I oh, like this ahead. story. I liked um, sort of the redemption of Laura. I mean, she's gone two seasons sort of wallowing Ooh. in her bad choices, making Ooh. more bad choices. Finding love with uh, Mad Sweeney, um, which I appreciate that. And that felt like a uh, her way out or sort of a lifeline for her emotionally. But she wasn't resolving her issues. And maybe this season now we get to see a little bit of that. And this goes a long way into her starting to feel just less guilt um, for causing her father to cheat on her uh, mother and ruining her family. And then it comes down to the fact that the guy was just a dick. I also really like the immediate freeze on Shadow Moon. So we didn't get a repeat of the entire series. We knew what it was. We knew the emotional beat. We know what it means to Laura when she sees Shadow there. Uh, And we don't need to reiterate all of it. The fact that they skipped by that instead focused on information that we didn't know about Laura, I thought was a very smart choice. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some other parts. Uh, I want to talk about... Mr. Wednesday and Demeter. Uh, Pete, do you have any uh, sort of like very derogatory terms you want to call Demeter or anything like that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I'm hoping that she is going to realize that um, Wednesday is bad and get away sooner rather than later and not repeat the same mistakes that uh, Moonshadow made. Uh, I have high hopes for her as a character. Yeah, so you're saying you like Demeter. Oh, wow. (laughs) 
and that's why and that's when you're watching the film of your life that's when they drag you to hell (laughs) Uh, also we should mention this is played by Blythe Danner great actress Um, you know we've talked a lot about them losing actors here on the show Uh, it's nice to see that they can still draw people in who are names who are very exciting so it isn't like it isn't like they're just sort of going downhill here. I think the show is still trucking along at a certain level. I know that sounds like faint praise, but it was good to see her given all the losses that we've had this season. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's also interesting in the sort of the rotating cast. Like uh, this season, we saw um, the replacement of Mr. World into um, Mrs. World. And then Ms. we haven't World, seen yeah. her. Ms. World, yeah. Sorry, we haven't seen her since. Um, so it is. it does de- definitely feels like we're just constantly – shuffling through what is the sort of the structure of this this season it also i mean on the same note it does and i was mildly confused by this with the beginning sequence i thought we were getting easter again who was played by Kristen chenoweth at the end of the first season this seems like a clear replacement for her in the plot it seems to hold yes. sort of the same sort of thing but i appreciate the fact that they didn't try to make it yet another recasting but went in a different direction well, and it's interesting. It feels like she fills the same hole, perhaps, in the plot. But Easter was very powerful, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. Demeter is not. Right. Uh, it seems like. So it does feel like sort of a turn. And I don't know what Wednesday's – I mean, we could say this in any episode of this series. Like, I don't know what Wednesday's plan is. Um, but he no. is constantly just getting more and more things under his control to wait to snap his big trap, which we assume we're going to get this season. Uh but we're not quite there that's a, yet. That's a big assumption, I think, at this point. It has to be. Right? Can't, because, like, just in the, on the business side, i, I got to imagine they don't expect another season. Maybe they'll get one. We don't know that. But uh, I feel like they have to make some big moves here. Yeah. Especially given all I mean, the turmoil. If they want to really do it right, they just streamline it and make it all about, uh, you know, Betty. You know, and yeah, just get rid shot. of the rest of the mm-hmm. cast and really just focus on with the heart of it. Yeah, 42 minutes it, of car shots. Basically, oh, come the, on. what you want, maybe because you've been watching so much streaming, you haven't seen um, car commercials. I think that's something you would really get into. It's <laughs> no a lot thanks. of car. Yeah. Lot Plot's of very shots. good. Yeah. A lot of time the plot is like Matthew McConaughey is like trying to go fishing. <laughs> and, then he, and then it turns out that he does go fishing. Spoiler. Well, there is that car commercial where he runs into a buffalo and we have a moonshadow kind of, you know, dodging a buffalo. Wait, I'm sorry. Is there a, <laughs> I'm sure I'm misinterpreting this. Is there a commercial where Matthew McConaughey runs over a buffalo with a car? Not runs over. He like stops in front of a, a buffalo and kind of talks to it. If there's a uh, if they have an idea for a Matthew McConaughey commercial. It's in production currently, or already made. <laughs> I was just thinking, what if I ran over that buffalo? That was a terrible Matthew McConaughey. I don't know what I was doing there. I'm sorry. It was like a Southern lawyer Matthew McConaughey, which <laughs> yeah. I believe he's also played. He was the Lincoln lawyer. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There uh, it is. Back to Demeter for a second. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting about this is despite being introduced as Mr. Wednesday's fiance. I'm not totally convinced this new woman is actually his fiance, right? Like, I don't feel like they've acted like that at any point. No. And I think I, I is that like a reference to being like a Valkyrie? Uh, are they technically Valkyrie sword brides, uh, something like that? So that to me, I feel like is a reference because I don't 
see any sort of sexual or uh, sort of relationship like that. She does have, uh, she's wearing kind of like the, the pussy hat, right? Like with the two ears. So that's almost like a horned helmet a little bit. There you go. The actress uh, who is playing her is great. She's been in a ton of stuff. I was very excited to see her in this episode. Yeah, she's good. I, I like their developing relationship, even though I don't quite go, understand what's going on there. I do think Valkyrie is probably a good guess in terms of what's happening. Um, but I liked her getting him dressed. I like the fact that she doesn't take a lot of guff from him. It does feel like a different yeah. relationship between her and him versus Shadow Moon and him, and just in terms mm-hmm. of her being the driver. Uh, it's also, and I know I mentioned this in previous episodes, but... Three seasons in, I feel like we've gotten to this weird, more hangout show place plot wise where Shadow Moon's like, hey, Wednesday, what's up? I just need to get some quick info. And he's like, oh, here's where Bilkus is. Talk to you later, which is something that never would have happened in a million years in season one or season two. And I know they need to do that for the plot, but uh, it's a strange thing to see on this show. Well, and it is a little bit more like procedural um, mm-hmm. to your point. Like, yeah, Shadow has to call Wednesday just to keep the tie there. But it's also like, hey, yeah, I got to find this lady. I got to run over to see Billquists here and this other back to New York. And like it's very like stuff needs to happen in this show now when in, in the earlier seasons it felt like we were we were watching a ride. Mm-hmm. And now it's like it's business time. And also what sucks is we're at this place and there is a car on the ice, okay? And it is about to die and nobody gives a shit about it and it's driving me fucking crazy. Well, let's get over to that. Let's talk about Lakeside because I everybody's favorite part is it Lakeside. It is my favorite part. I really and think I these sections are to working. finally deal with it. Well, it's frustrating to me the same reason same thing is Shadow being like, hmm, this lakeside place is weird. Well, time to go to Chicago last episode. This uh, episode, he's like, hmm, lakeside is weird. Oh, a uh, refrigerated cabinet told me to go somewhere, so I'm going to head over there instead. Uh, Meanwhile, though, the stuff in lakeside with the characters is very intriguing. Uh, The mystery of what's going on, where Allison went, I think we have a fair idea if you put together the very simple clues. But there's a lot of stuff going on there from you got the cop character, you got Hinselman, who's handing out these disposable cameras, which seems very suspicious. Uh, Yeah, that was and then there's, again, the very pointed clue. And then I'll I'll kick it over to you, Pete. But uh, he gets these old newspapers and falls asleep looking at kid who was missing years and years ago. So we're starting to put the pieces together there very quickly to get your business point. Justin, it does feel slightly like they have this solid mystery that now they need to string out for 10 episodes. They're just giving little bit by bit and then sending shadow moon on these side quests. Um, so I think Alex, you might be confused because the blue mitten didn't belong to the missing girl. It was one of the kids who was looking for the missing girl. That was the clue. Uh, okay. I think. Did he also yeah. leave his blood in the snow? Uh, <laughs> I, that, I don't remember that part. Oh. Uh, the mitten did belong to not the girl, but the kid. So I think the your blue clue mitten, that's so obvious, I think you missed something. I think the blue mitten is the girl. Wow. Wait. Oh, oh she's been turned mind. into a blue mitten? Exactly. Yeah. Like that Hans Christian Anderson story, the blue mitten. <laughs> yeah. I like that you call him Hans Christian Anderson. He's all hands. Yeah. Uh, he was known for being handsy. 
very oh handsy. Hey, they don't just put shortened that out it there. For the, once he true. became popular, they were like, we can't call you Hansy Christian Anderson, <laughs> so we're going to go with Hans. Hans. <laughs> Wait, is um, it, I always get this wrong. Han Solo? Han Solo? I say Han, I say Han Solo. Han Solo, yeah. Han Solo. I feel like Han is what the, like, the podunk people who watch uh, Star okay. Wars on the side of a barn say. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Don't make fun of people who watch movies on the side of barns. <laughs> I mean, I swear, I, those are my people. And I was going to say, I'd love to watch something on the side of a barn. That sounds fun. It is. It's a lot like uh, the movie theater, but um, outside and light moving. Yeah. I like I'd how like George to... Lucas put all those reds in there. <laughs> I do want to uh, speak to something that you know, Zelvin brought up uh, that is kind of frustrating about this series is uh, Shadow Moon is still being manipulated and it seemed like he had gotten to a better place with it, but now it's still, he's just still kind of wandering around and I either, I want him to be like, fuck off Wednesday, I'm going to have my own adventure or decide to be on Wednesday's team because this, the back and the forth and the maybe he'll be there and maybe not. And because the, uh, he had that kind of thing with the Native American God early on that he is an important part. Uh, it's kind of driving me crazy a little bit. Well, I think uh, the point of that, I mean, last season he was like, all right, I'm Wednesday's guy. I'm going to go. I'm going to commit to this. I have powers. I'm going to explore this. And then he sort of got screwed over again. So now he's like, I need to keep my distance. I'm going to go my own way. But Wednesday has predicted all of this. So he's just constantly manipulating shadow from close up and afar. And at this point in the season, Wednesday has to, he's got shadow where he wants him in Lakeside. And so he has to manipulate all the rest of the chess pieces to get them where he needs them to be by what I'm assuming is the uh, end of the season. To your point, Alex, though, it feels like the Lakeside is the season long mystery, mm-hmm. but the series long mystery is is vast. Like we got all these other like smaller gods that need to carry out their storylines, Bilquis, and there's just the ongoing battle between the new gods and the old gods. And they, they have to split it up. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think they could, if they saved Lakeside for the second half of the season and just told it all at once, I think that would be too much. And, yeah. and same way on the opposite side, if they just spread Lakeside out more or whatever, like I think they have to sort of be, be able to jump back and forth in the way they're doing. Cause I don't mind it. I like it. And that's a you know a hot take from a line producer who knows television, Again, not, and knows exactly how things a, work behind the scenes. Not a line producer, and you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, that's true. I, I will say two of the things that I think are most intriguing to me in these first couple of episodes are the idea, like we talked about in the last two episodes, um, about them widening out the world to involve Native American gods, the people not people, the gods who were there before these old gods actually came over on boats. Uh, And then that in this episode, we seem to be teasing a little bit uh, Shadow Moon getting involved in African gods. Um, You know, we've certainly seen that with Mr. Nancy, who has sadly gone this season and others. Um, But that certainly seems to be part of his heritage based on Ricky Whittle. So I think that's something that you can really delve into further. And I'd be interested to see how all of these elements get together. You know, if they can legitimately widen out the series so it's not just this one-on-one battle of the old god versus the new gods but all these other gods being like no we have our own things going on these other things are happening that is exciting and intriguing to me and really widens out the world Uh, i mean just to mention one more thing i think it also gets back to uh was it season one where they introduced jesus I think uh, I can't honestly yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. just the idea the that like everybody has their own views of Jesus, I always thought was a really fascinating one. 
And the more they can get back to like religion and what it means for people and how it affects people versus this Game of Thrones style manipulation that's kind of going on, I think the better for the length of the series. Well, but I also think that this series is tough because it's mm-hmm. it's just it can expand into infinity. Like religion and belief is such a huge topic. And the fact that they are mm-hmm. constantly expanding it out to the next layer of belief, like it's hard to contain the idea of everyone has a different Jesus that's just hanging around in different regions of the country. While at the same time, this like very specific uh, Norse mythology plot is playing out at the same time, this new gods versus old gods versus now the even older gods, like it's just wild. And so I think while covering all of those topics, I think the story needs to really start to pare down and get to what it, the crux of it. Mm. And that's what I hope is going to happen in Lakeside. Now, when we last kind of see uh, Moonshadow, he kind of busts in the room where we know Bilquis was, and we see kind of like a the tech god trying to kind of formulate words or piece himself back together. I just wanted to check. My first thought was Shadow Moon Quick kill this guy because mm. it seemed like maybe he has killed Bilquis. What was your guys' thought? And Zalbin, don't cheat because you've read ahead. No, I, I haven't. At all. I'm episode by episode, just like you guys. Uh, I don't know what's going on. But gonna... you have read the material, all the None of this is so from you... the material. Not yeah, this is all. Thing. The lakeside oh, wow. stuff is not word for word, but it's pretty close to what happens there uh, with some variations. But all the stuff with the new gods and technical boy and whatever's going on with Bilquis, Bilquis is entirely different in the show than she okay. is in the book. Uh, so mm-hmm. I have no idea. I mean, my best theory... It seemed to me like Technical Boy was kind of broken, you know, and we've certainly seen uh, him kind of like breaking with Miss World and the New Gods a little bit in different ways. So I do wonder if something went down with Bilquis. Maybe there's something with the tech guy. We've sort of uh, guessed that maybe there's some sort of virus thing going on there. Maybe they're joined together. I don't know. My first thought was that... um the technical boy was absorbed through the tech guy into Bilquis, and then she, he killed her or something happened. I would be very surprised if this was the end of Bilquis's story. That yeah. She just like, uh, so I, I don't think that's what happened, but I feel like that's what the, this episode wanted us to think at the end. Well, let me throw a theory out at you guys. Uh, when I type Bilquis in my notes on the notes app, it auto corrects it to Bisks. Do you think yeah. that means something like maybe she got changed into like a nice thick soup? Uh, that's what it could explain the, the blood. Mm-hmm. What is blood but a, a, a hot bisque? That's what my well, doctor that's says. That's funny because my, my <laughs> autocorrect says... <laughs> Too much are butter. You, my autocorrect says, are you trying to say biscuit? And then I get hungry and then I forget about what I'm typing. Ooh, you so. should put a biscuit in some bisque. That's that's good eating, oh, buddy. Oh, man. That's some, good, that's some good eating right there. Before we start that's to wrap some... up here, any other bits <laughs> from the episode that you guys want to chat about? Um, yeah, I think we should talk about the opening. Um, mm-hmm. We saw this great uh, – I, again, really love how they are back to doing these um, sort of God introductions. Um, we have – like uh, a good uh, pig killing? Is that what you're saying? Uh, first off, I mean, like I said, I grew up in the country. Uh, pulling a plow was, you know, how I, I was on the plow pulling team when I was in uh, really? middle school and high school. <laughs> no. I mean, no, but that is uh, – Did you really are, have to plow a field? Uh, no. No, oh, I didn't. Uh, but I did stop um, lying on our podcast. How dare you? <laughs> I should have just said yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
you'd be hard pressed to find some documentation. Uh, but I, I thought corn freaks me out in general. Like really? at all fronts, corn husk gir- girls, those little dolls are scary. Corn fields, scary. You can't see what's going on. Corn feels like little teeth. Corn cob, Whoa. too many this is corn fun. cob. We've, we're getting into some JT sizzle fears here. Uh, Do you have nightmares about cornfields and stuff? Uh, no, but I just don't. Uh, corn is is a weird looking and feeling vegetable. Yeah, and plus that kind of doll come to life it had to freak you out as well and that's how cornfields are made you have to kill a pig and then spread its entrails in a circle and then everything grows around it pete you used to uh, be on the plow team right yeah yeah i was a all-american plow team for uh (laughs) two seasons um but that's a weird thing because people always talking about crop circles you know but no that's just the pig circle that Mm -hmm. started the crop so People are crazy. That's what yeah. I want to know. What came first, the pig or the circle? You know what I'm talking about? Classic pig question. Circles. I'm yeah. glad you brought this up, Justin. Pete, were there any other uh, <laughs> points from the episode that you wanted to talk about? It just stuck. It stinks when somebody goes to the trouble of making a pamphlet and someone else refuses to read it. It's just very infuriating. Mm-hmm. Read the pamphlet. All the answers are there. Like, how many times do you got to be told? This is, uh, I mean, I think we could probably pull back the curtain a little bit and mention that Pete prints out pamphlets for basically everything on our podcast, tries to hand them to us. He keeps emailing us. We don't read them. No. It's awful. This is what it's all about. It's got so much harder Respect the pamphlet. (laughs) Respect the pamphlet, something no one has ever said. Um, (laughs) Two other small things. Um, At the top of the episode, also, we get um, the Viking metal group um, that we saw Two episodes ago, in the in the premiere, was was killed. Mm-hmm. Their name was Sacrifice. Yeah, interesting. I I was under the impression though that Odin killed them, right? Not like the implication in this scene was that the new gods took them down somehow, but it certainly seemed like maybe Odin killed them. Yeah, it definitely. I felt like he killed them. Yeah, uh, I agree. It, he was playing. He was sort of performing that he was concerned about it to um, his quote unquote fiance, his assistant. Um, but I, I definitely think he did. And the term sacrifice, I think, is going to become very important as the season goes on. Yeah, uh, I wanted to uh, give a shout out there. I really appreciated, uh, you know, you had the giant books uh, that Shadow Moon was reading. It reminded me of the old uh, when DC did those collection of the comics. Wednesday comics. Was Wednesday yeah. comics. Yeah. You know, Mr. Wednesday. Wednesday comics. Yeah. It was a nice little crossover event there, you know. Man, so um, seeing a newspaper reminded you of something that was printed like a newspaper? No, no. The old, you know, the books that oh, okay. Shadow Moon was gotcha. given were oversized. They were big. They won't fit in your standard, you know, board and bag. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get a bigger thing for that. So seeing a big book reminded you of another big book. Yep. Great. That's a clue. Um, and uh, finally, um, nothing wrong with dating your landlord, Right. You think he's going to get into trouble with that? I don't yes. think so. He almost got shot the first time. I don't know what could go wrong after that. Now, would you feel, if that happened to you, would you feel like, ah, oh, this woman had a gun to my head? <laughs> Classic meat cute. Yeah. yeah. That was the yeah. original draft of When Harry Met Sally, actually. That's how that went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, I think the original draft, it was... Uh, she had a sieve underneath Harry's neck and was like, oh, you're not the pig I'm going to slaughter. A shiv? Or a, a sieve? sieve? You know, the, the little circle knife that they had in the show? I Cut the pig's throat open? Scythe? I, 
sure. A, a sieve is what you put like uh, pasta in. Yeah, I mean that was it. the most confusing thing. Or a colander. Oh man, I am. Yeah, scythe is is the thing that death holds. That sort of blade that you use for cutting down wheat. Is that what you're thinking of? I, I it was a little circular knife that was used to kill the pig. Was yeah. this in, uh, to be fair? I know we're like harping on this here, but in when Harry met Sally, it was a sieve. And she wanted him to smell some pasta. They had this whole scene about, like, come on, smell the pasta. And he's like, I don't want to smell the pasta. And she's like, smell the pasta. So it wasn't very funny. Um, amazing, amazing impression. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Once I think again. I'm three for three in this episode, I got to say. Uh, before yeah. we wrap up here, who is worthy of your worship this week? Justin, let's go to you. Oh, did not see <laughs> it coming. Uh, caught me off guard. Um I'm going to give it up for uh, I'm going to give it up for Hinzelman, Mm -hmm. uh, Julia Sweeney, coming out strong, hating on the Internet. Uh, She wants to do it her way. Um, I I do think she is one of the characters that is doing a great job of being interesting and being paid attention to without taking up too much of the actual story. So she's really using uh, the time on screen very effectively. Pete, what about you? Well, this was a very tough episode for me. I didn't get any uh, things that I really liked, and then the return of somebody I didn't like. Uh, so I'm going to give it up for the SNL lady. Uh, the whole "Sorry, I'm late," and clearly she runs the show was really funny. That's uh, that's so, Hinzelman. That's Julie oh, Sweeney. it's the one you picked. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Great. So that's two Hinzelmans. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> yep. with Laura Moon for this episode. I thought Ooh, Emily Browning did a great job. I know boo, Pete Laura Boo is like slut shaming or whatever he is doing. But stop! Stop <laughs> saying that. I think she's great. I think the emotional uh, highs and lows that she went through, even if I was iffy about some of the choices in the storyline, I think she did a fantastic job with it uh, throughout. And watching her slowly break down and accept reality, as they say in the show, I thought was really nice to see. I'm excited to see what happens with her journey going forward. And I hope you follow us on our journey going forward. If you'd like to support it, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about American Gods. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show on Twitter, A Godcast. At a Godcast, not just, you know, check out a nice. Godcast or whatever you want to do. Hey, check out a Godcast. Hey, whatever you whatever is cool for you, buddy. Uh comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, keep on worshiping. <laughs> <laughs>